Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Save the Kids podcast. It's your one-stop shop for raising kids in this tech-heavy world. We bring on professionals and experts to give you all the tools you need to help your kids become fire-breathing warriors that have the strength to break out of the mold society has put them in. At the end of the day, we're all here for one reason, to help save some kids. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. Welcome one and all back to the show. It's your host, Nate Webb, live in studio, coming at you from Salt Lake City area. And I'm super excited for today's guest. Please welcome Marilyn Brown to the show. Marilyn is a children's ministry co-director, online teacher, pastor's wife, mom to three boys, and she was a classroom teacher for seven years. And now she works from home and she has a passion for equipping parents, teachers, and any grown-up who has toddlers and preschoolers in their life with Christian resources and encouragement. Welcome, welcome to the show. Hi, I am so glad to be here. Yeah, I was, I saw you, you'd commented on a couple of my stuff on Save the Kids stuff. I'm like, I want to talk to this girl. I saw one of your posts about um, toddlers and regulating emotion. And I was like, you know what? We need, we need to talk about some of this stuff. But first off, tell us a little bit about your story. How did you end up in this, this space, helping people out with their toddlers slash preschoolers? You have quite the history there. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, honestly, it's a God thing. Like, um, I knew I wanted to be a teacher for a really long time. And um, like you said, in my intro, I was in the classroom for seven years and I was kind of bouncing all over the place. Like um, I taught seventh grade life science. I taught kindergarten for a semester. I taught first grade. I taught fourth grade. Like I was all over the place. Um, And then I finally felt called to stay home and just be there for my own kids and be their teacher. Um, I, I haven't felt called to homeschool, which I love that journey for a lot of people. It's not mine. <laughs> it's not my kids and my journey, um, but totally support it. I love homeschools. I think, I think it's amazing. I think it's really cool. Um, but yeah. And so staying home has really been, um, it's just been such a gift and to be able to be there for my kids um, whenever they need me. And uh, so we moved from California to Georgia about nine years ago now. And Whoa. yeah, it was, Whoa. it was major. Dude, you could, you can get some good real estate in Georgia. Oh, for sure. California. For sure. Holy yes. moly. I mean, watch out for the tornadoes. It's fine. You know, yeah. the storm yeah. It's fine. But... <laughs> We're like tornadoes. What? Like <laughs> earthquakes I can handle tornadoes. What? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've been here nine years now and my husband is a pastor at our church just recently became ordained. Um, and he leads the music at church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And last year there was a need for children's ministry leaders or a leader. Typically, I feel like is what happens at most churches. Um, but my friend Megan and I were both in this meeting. She's a kindergarten teacher. I've been in the classroom for so many years. We both absolutely love kids and want to help equip them and come alongside families, um, in the faith. And, Um, just give them good, solid teaching. And we were like, well, what if we do this together? I know most churches have one director of a kid's program. What if we have two? Because then we could be there for each other and split the work. And and so in my time, I've gotten to focus on our toddler class, like preschoolers and below. So from birth to age four or five. 
Um, and I'm like, I have tons of resources and I want to equip my teachers, my team really well. And then I was like, you know what? I feel like I could have used this when my kids were that small. They're not that small anymore, but I remember those days very fondly and looking mm-hmm. for free resources, looking for um, anything fun, just like seasonal stuff or um, church related things. And so I wanted to give to moms and dads and any, like, like you said, any grown up um, with toddlers in their life, um, mm. just resources for them to be able to utilize. So it all that. kind of folded together. I love that. That's awesome. It really is a God thing, right? It really is. Because these, li- <laughs> these little tykes, I have a almost four-year-old and an almost two-year-old. Okay. And so you're in yep, the thick of it. These, 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 these wonderful little humans are God sent, but man, they have a will of iron steel <laughs> and it can, they can test you. Talk, speaking of toddlers, because yes. speaking of little kids and I don't know their ability to regulate emotions, mm-hmm. I am noticing more and more kids are becoming iPad literate mm-hmm. at younger mm-hmm. and younger ages. And with my own personal kids, I have noticed like if they have certain amount of time watching TV or on a mm-hmm. screen and I remove that thing from them. I mean, the Hulk comes out and our, <laughs> our home is demolished and the gremlins come out to play oh, and I'm sure. like, holy smoke. And so I don't know. I, I, I know literal four-year-olds who've mastered how to operate an iPad and I, I don't know what, yes. what, what is your take on screens and, and how, what, when it comes to these little kids? Yeah, it, it's tough because they're so intuitive, like all the tablets and all the like iPhones, all of it, like they're just so intuitive. You just, you swipe your finger around and you do stuff and it happens. And it's like, Oh, I, I have power to control this app and I can go into, you know, like I can tell cookie monster, what kind of cookies to make, or I could, you know, like there, there's so much, um, control and like, and, and just like a, a curiosity, it feeds that curiosity. And so I feel Mm. like, um, like those two things combined, which a lot of apps are designed to do that, especially mm-hmm. for toddlers, like they're meant to promote curiosity. They're meant to be easily, you know, manipulated by children, but then it's like, that's not how real life is. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the same way, screens and apps are just as adults, they are even more so for kids because they're so intuitive because they're so, um, you know, like they, they hit, give you that dopamine hit like yep way i think for kids way more cuz they're like oh, oh their attention spans are little so let's do oh, it every absolutely. 2 seconds instead of every 5 or oh yeah like i i know the app designers are doing those things like oh yeah and it's crazy yeah. that the people who design like the iPads and the people who design the apps they themselves don't let their kids have iPads. They themselves are like, no, you're not going to have this thing because I've employed literal child psychologists to (laughs) help keep your attention. And I don't want you to be a mindless zombie. I actually, I saw this video where they looked at a Sesame street scene and they counted how long between like when they would switch the camera angle and it was like 15, Mm. 20 seconds sometimes. And then they looked at a one minute segment of Coco melon. And it was like, every two seconds he couldn't get to five mississippi before they changed the camera angle that's right so it's yeah. like it's like programming kids to be so impatient and to like i'll have this this adhd impulsivity yes. already at a young age. Yes. yeah um, and then when it comes to emotions like you were saying i mean and i have the same issue and i don't have toddlers anymore my kids are 11 8 and 6 so they're all you know middle school elementary age but you get the if you don't give them 
like a good transitional, like, all right, five minutes until, or, Hey, how much time is on this timer that we set as a family for our guidelines? Like, if you don't have that good transition or something different comes up, like, Oh, it's, you know, we have this extra day off. Let's just go to the park. Let's go to the zoo and do something amazing. But if you give them no transition time, that same Hulk comes right on out of my kids too. So, um, yeah. So, so when it comes to the emotions that come out, it's, it's hard to regulate when they're so used to that fast paced, I get to do what I want and be entertained on a two second basis, you know, like two second refresh. It's something new. It's something fun. So, Mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of it comes from convenience. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I, a four-year-old and a two-year-old and kids can be tough. I feel like a lot of parents, you know, they need that break. So they, you know, hand over the iPad and like, all right, Daniel Tiger, parent, my kid. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And just kind of let it go unsupervised. But I'll be like, honest, my kids are on technology right now. So I right? can do this right? interview and it's quiet in the house. Right. So it's, you know, we've all been there. Right. <laughs> I'm there now. And and from time to time we need that, but I feel like it's a slippery slope from convenience to kind of having the iPad raise your kids. And why mm-hmm. why is mm-hmm. too much screen not a great thing for kids? I mean, I feel like we all know the answer to that one. There's so many studies that have just shown like the adverse effects of social interaction and emotional regulation and just like, like the ability to connect with people. It just, it gets, you know, like, and as adults, we're on these apps that supposedly connect us right on social media and we know that doesn't connect us. We know that like totally artificial. yeah, it's it's all on the surface and you spend an hour on any of these apps scrolling around and you feel more disconnected than ever. Oh yeah. And so you take kids and screen time even though they're not on those kind of apps, some of them are. But um you know, like they're they're not connecting with a person. And mm-hmm. so it's it's entertaining, but it's not a connection, it's not a relationship. And so it's it's absolutely detrimental um, long-term. And Mm -hmm. like, I see it even in my kids when it's like, you know, we all have those days and I'm like, yeah, go ahead. And let's snooze the timer another 15 minutes, another 30 minutes. And we're watching Encanto twice. It's fine. Right. And at the end of that, you see the effects of it. Like I feel a way about it. They're feeling a way about it. I I'm like, come on, let's go outside. No one wants to go outside. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why do we have to, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, guys, we don't want technology to raise our kids, you know, screens rob us of, the, of emotion, the ability to communicate. But don't get me wrong. Daniel Tiger's awesome. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, yeah. they, they, the screens have its place and it definitely helps me with my kids from time to time when I'm trying to get stuff done. Um, I mean, we definitely watched the entire Encanto movie so that I could clean the entire house the other day. We, I mean, it, it had to be done, For sure. um, but nothing replaces a parent. You are your child's best app. Now, in your job as a classroom that. teacher for a lot of years, I mean, what grades did you teach again? I mean, you mentioned <laughs> the, the whole the whole gamut. It, yeah, I started out teaching seventh grade life science. So middle school. Middle school. Started out in middle school. Yeah, it was. And you still taught after that. It was terrifying. <laughs> and at the same time, my favorite grade I ever taught. So I don't That's know awesome. how to. Yeah, I so, loved it. I mean, you're in middle school when you first started out and you are, you're a Filipina and Mm -hmm. you are not a giant person. So (laughs) did people mistake you for a student ever? Oh my gosh. All the time. I had, yeah, my, 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 my brother, 
he was in middle school and they had a new teacher and she was just a short girl. And his first thought was, who's the new girl? Because she had a backpack <laughs> on and then she sits down at the teacher's desk. And I was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, I said, I'm like, I wonder if she's ever been mistaken as a student in her work. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. When I, like, even before I had my own classroom, I would sub and like, I did not take high school jobs after the very first time I did. Cause I was like, this is a joke. Like these kids could fight me and I would lose. <laughs> They're bigger than me and they know I'm young. They know I'm inexperienced. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you started seventh sure. grade and then where did you go from that kindergarten, seventh grade to kindergarten? Yes. I thought elementary was my jam. And so Whoa. there was an opening. I did a transfer. It was not my jam. <laughs> <laughs> So the principal was like, Hey, I'll move you up to one of the upper grades. So I, the last year I taught, I taught fourth. So you seventh kinder and fourth. Correct. So all the way around. So when, especially with the seventh graders, did you have a lot of seventh graders that were on social media that had smartphones and stuff? Um, gosh, at the time it was, I started in like 2008. So smartphones, oh, so that's not really a big thing yet. Yeah. They weren't super popular with kids yet. Um, but a lot of them did have phones. So they were wow. all texting. They were all um, like taking pictures on them, even though they were those super grainy, terrible ones on our old flip phones. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, yeah, they they had phones and they were just as addictive then. And they didn't even have any of the texting. apps. They just, yeah. but, you know, like trying to text with the T9, like with your yes. pad in your pants, trying to yep. text. <laughs> like stop texting in class. Yep. Man. And it just, it's crazy to me that even back then it was super, super addicting. Oh yeah. And we're like, get, here's what we'll do. We'll take this simple device that was super addicting and we're going to make it a super computer yep. and we're going to make it so they can talk to each other all the time and post pictures about each other and talk about each other and not train them about it. And mm-hmm. it's going to go fine. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, and I think half the problem is that we were handed those same things. Like adults were handed those same things and we were not trained on it either. So it was the steepest learning curve, especially for parents at the time then, but still now, because I think even now adults have so much trouble regulating their own screen time and their own addiction to apps like social media or whatever that it just, it trickles down. So like, why would they teach their kids if they themselves don't know, Hey, this is not good for me. And that's really where, like, I think that tie-in of emotional co-regulation and social media and just smartphones in general and technology, like that's the tie-in is it really relies on parents being self-reflective of like, where am I at with this thing right now? Then when I've honestly assessed that I can then teach my kid, because when it comes to emotions, like I personally was not taught to process my emotions well. They were labeled good or bad. You, you, these ones are acceptable when we're around company or when we're in public. These ones, okay, we're back at home. Let's, you know, go ahead and cry, you know, or like go to your room and cry or whatever it was that my parents, you know, it, doing the best they could with what they had. They didn't have the tools either. Um, but now that we have all these tools at our fingertips, it's like, well, I can regulate and understand my own emotions. Now I'm able to walk my children through that from a young age and they're able to calm themselves and soothe themselves and talk through things at age two. It's pretty remarkable when you give them those tools. Um, But in the same way with smartphones, if we're not being honest about how much screen time we've 
been, you know, like how much screen time I have. <laughs> like, if I'm honest about that, I don't want to look at my screen time on my phone because then I'm like, oh, dang, like, I guess I need to put limits on me. You know, like that's the condition. Imagine that. Hard part. What? <laughs> what? We as parents have to do the things we want our kids to do? What? Right. And it feels like this mind blowing thing, (laughs) but then it also kind of implodes on itself for a lot of people because of the convenience. It's like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not affected by my amount of screen time. So I'm just going to let them, you know? And so it kind of perpetuates, but I think if we really want the best lives for our kids, which of course we all do, like, that's what parents want for their kids. Um, then we have to, we have to live our best lives and we live our best lives when we're connecting with them, when we put our phones down, when they ask us a question, not doing the like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, sure. And you're looking at your phone and think you're talking to them, but you're not, you know, like you're not really there and being present. They don't see you talking to them when you're just holding up your phone and going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They're like, oh, okay. Mom robots back. Um, yes. I'll go destroy something so that she'll pay attention to me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, what can we do to set our kids up for success? Because you were talking about, I mean, two-year-olds, I mean, my, my son, when he was four, well, he's almost four now when he was two, um, when he, you know, started talking to him about breathing when he was mad and taking a breath and like these really cool things. I'm like, wow. Kids can really learn a lot of cool stuff when they're not glued to a screen. And so, I mean, yes, I am not shaming people who use screens, guys. I'm not really, I'm really, really trying not to. But um, what can we do, practical things we can do to set our kids up for success so that they can regulate their emotions, so that they can communicate, so that as we progress through life, you know, they they don't feel like they're repressing and, and, you know, they're able to express themselves. What are some things we can do to try and help them out? Yeah. So, um, some tips that I shared, um, included, so emotional modeling. So like setting the example yourself of like, if I'm in a situation that typically my kids know, oh, mom's going to lose it. She's going to go, she's going to freak out. If I show them, okay, I'm going to take some deep breaths right now because I actually feel really angry, but I don't want to do anything disrespectful. So if I walk through my thought process, that's going to be that's just going to change what they expect to do and what they expect me to do. And it shows them, Oh, it's possible to react. Like you don't have to react. We can respond differently, even though we felt this thing. So I think that's the number one is modeling. And so that was, you know, kind of ties back to what we were saying about like parents have to do the thing (laughs) that they want their kids to do. So um, like that's number one. And then definitely like, if your child is having a fit or having a meltdown to get down on their level and just look them in the eye and be present with them, um, like put the phone down and and don't talk down to them, you know, don't make them feel like you're forcing them to stop feeling a certain way or feel a different way. Like just to meet them where they're at. Yeah. That's huge. I get caught so many times when I'm like scolding my four-year-old for like when he laughs, okay, when my wonderful <laughs> wife is trying to correct a behavior and he laughs at her, oh my goodness, I just about storm through and like take him downtown and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> no, you did not. And it's so easy to just lose it. But like, yeah. I've seen the difference of like getting down to their level. And let's say you have a teenage, like, okay, the toddler. Yes. Even when they're, when they're, when they're older, yeah. like a non-confrontational way of speaking to your kids 
getting down to their level. Mm -hmm. So you're equal and not ones above the other. And then when they're older and they can talk more complexly being side to side instead of head head to head so that it's a more casual thing. Car rides are great because you have have a captive audience right there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've found that, yeah, sitting next to my sons when I want to have a conversation with them is often, it just kind of, um, what's the word? It just releases that tension. It doesn't feel like, oh, we're this like face-to-face, like this is going to be a kind of a fight or I'm going to be lectured. It's more like, oh, let's just talk about what's going on here. You know, you meet them with that empathy. Um and I think all of these honestly apply to kids of all ages, like oh, yeah. even 100%. adult children, I'm 100%. sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, another thing you can do is to just offer a hug um, once they it's it's giving them that like, I'm here and I'm safe yeah. and I'm and I know you're looking for security. So offering them your own like you're their safe person and they want to know, do you still love me? Do you still Mm -hmm. care? Even though I messed up, even though I'm screaming right now, like, can Mm -hmm. I be safe with you? Even when I'm having a meltdown or are you going to send me away? Like, that's, it's, it's a hard thing to turn around because we use timeouts a lot and I'm realizing like, "Mm, maybe that wasn't, maybe that wasn't the best choice every time, you know, like Uh maybe they just needed to feel safe and seen and they could have calmed down more quickly than if I'm like, go have that fit over there, you know? Right. Right. Connection is Mm -hmm. always, always so, so, so important, especially to little kids. It's like, and like when you're giving them a hug, when like it's healing, like hugs are healing y'all. Like I am not trying to sound like a hippie, but they totally are. Like when, when like emotionally and mentally, when you're Mm -hmm. in a very vulnerable spot and they don't know how to communicate it and they're mad, they're tired, they're hungry. They don't know what's going on, but they're mad and they just snapped at you or your wife and you're going downstairs because justice must be served. Um, (laughs) Giving them that hug, giving them that kind of, it definitely does that healing to know that they're still loved. It's disarming. You know, you go into, I think that's the word I was looking for earlier. It's a, it's a disarming thing. Like when you're sitting next to them rather than face to face, Mm -hmm. it, it lets their defenses. yes, like we're not fighting. We're not actually Mm -hmm. enemies. Like we're on each other's side. Yeah. You coming out with the white flag. Hey, I don't have a sword. (laughs) You can put yours down. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh, this has been so wonderful. Thank you for this wonderful conversation. I I really hope some parents are opening their eyes a little bit and as well of having some hope in this crazy world that, you know, it's going to be okay. We can do this. Um, So how can people see what you're up to? Shameless plug time. Let's hear it. (laughs) Um, I am very active on Instagram. So (laughs) with all the social media talk, there I am anyways. Um, But you can find me at teach Marilyn B style. It's all one word. Um, And so that's where you will find a lot of those resources, um, a lot of like toddler and preschool songs and um, just fun stuff. And then um, with that same handle, I'm also on YouTube and I'm hopefully going to be posting there more frequently. I took quite a long break, but um, I'll be getting um, some different content up on there as well. 
So there you guys go. All of that will be in the podcast description. So go and check her out, follow her, look at her reels. She is amazing. And thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure and go follow at Save the Kids Inc. and at BulliesBE.gon on Instagram to get good free content each week of how you can raise resilient kids in a tech heavy world. If you want to get a speaker into your community, fill out a speaker form that can be found in the podcast description and we will get someone out there to you. We have parent webinars coming up in August. You definitely don't want to miss more info on that will be coming. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Always know that you are strong and you are loved. Go home and give your kids an eight second hug and we'll see you on the next one.